You are watching CMS TV, and this is KK Fossa from the band Them. <laughs> forward here on Chris Aiken Presents with myself and Mr. Eric Ferentinos. That was the band Angels in Vain. That is uh, 1973. They have a new release called Long Time Coming. It is out on April the 7th, so this Friday. And joining us, first joining us, is Chris Vondahl, the singer of the band. There, there he is. is. What's happening? What's up, man? Eric. How are you? What's up, brother? Virtual Long time hug, no man. Virtual wow. hug, my friend. Virtual hug. <laughs> Sounds what good, man. Christmas played us a little bit of the new stuff. It's rocking as usual. Thank you, man. Well, I mean, whoo! It's a uh, it's a good feeling that this thing is finally seeing the light of day. So, I mean, uh, that is that is the most profound statement I have about it. <laughs> right on, man. Well, look, yeah. look who just wandered up to the microphone as well. It's your partner in crime, Mr. Troy Patrick Ferris. Ah, putting his ears in. How you guys doing? Good. How are you, Troy? Uh, How's well. that uh, TPF as well? Um, how is uh, the audio? We good? Yeah, we're good. We're solid. Beautiful. Sounds good, man. I said Excellent. To put on my jock strap. <laughs> <laughs> well, got. Guys, we just we just played the one video for 1973, which is a solid taste of the band. I figured maybe the best place to start is um, one of you, whoever would like to field it. Um, maybe give us a little history about about the band itself, how you guys got together, and you know when you started putting the record together. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I just want to hear somebody else's perspective. Um, so. Basically, we're looking back about, I don't know, six years ago. Okay. Um, I was performing for, for Legends in Concert with Steven Tyler, and uh, it got to the point where I was doing uh, 11 shows a week. So that's basically two, two shows a night, six days a week, and that had been going on for years. And I woke up one day, and I was like, you know what? I've got the best job in the world. I, I play amazing music. You know, um, what I do makes people happy. It's fantastic. But it got it got to the point where it's like I couldn't tell where I started and Steven Tyler ended. And I was like, man, I need to do something original. I just I got to do something just for the sake of doing it. Just say I forgot kind of what I loved about the music. 
Um, so I call up my old friend and guitar player, Taz. Um, this is a guy that I actually moved from Detroit to L.A. with back in the okay. 80s. And we co-founded the band Cherry Street together. Right, right. So I called him up. He was in Texas. And I said, hey, man, I said, I'd like to do a record. You know, is it something you're interested in? And the next day he sent me like 13 tracks he just had sitting in a drawer. He okay. just sitting on them. And so, I mean, essentially that's, that's how this thing kind of started. We, uh, we started collaborating and sending music back and forth. And, um, about that time, like three songs deep into this, I got a call from Stacy blades and Stacy was like, Hey, uh, I've got a friend and we're doing a benefit for, for David Bowie. Okay. And we're wondering if you'd be interested in singing for it. And this is right after Bowie had passed. And Stacy and I had been talking about doing something together for a long time, but the, the timing was just never right. Never, it never really worked out. This sounded like a really cool thing. And I said, sure. So, um, turned out that his friend was Eric Stacy, who's a former bass player for Faster Pussycat. Right. Right. And so we're, we're talking about all this stuff and he's like, so what else are you up to now? And I told him about the legends thing. And, and I mentioned that I was working on some music and he was like, well, let me hear it. And I was like, well, there's nothing really done. And he's like, well, let me hear what you got. So I sent him the three songs. And like two hours later, I got a phone call. And he was like, look, man, I played this stuff for, you know, Eric, I hope you don't mind. We want to be the band. Okay. And I said, what? Yeah. <laughs> so kind of took my surprise. I was like, I wasn't in that place in my head. And I wasn't thinking about putting a band together at, at the time. Um, but it sounded like a really cool you know possibility so i called taz up and i said hey listen you know this is what's going on and, and he said well let's hook together so we're gonna need a drummer so uh eric put forward vic fox from enough's enough and we spoke with vic and vic seemed into it and then vic's had a company and i can't remember what it is but him and his wife have a company and um something major came up and it was like we have to leave the country I, I can't do this right now. I'm really sorry, okay. guys. He goes, but he goes, I know this guy. He's amazing. He goes, call him. Okay. So basically, Vic handpicked Troy and he put us all in touch. Okay. And so, you know, from there, Troy. Yeah, go ahead. I think I got, uh, I want to say Stacy may have reached out to me about this, uh, you know, project. And, and I knew, um, you know, I knew Eric and, of course, Vic and Vic and Eric played in a band together. So um, it just kind of simple lines intertwining. It's very ancestral, it, it, which is great, by the way. It's a great community, uh, you know, our rock community. So if uh, somebody isn't available, then the next guy is available. I had just moved to Vegas and a new band was really enticing to me. I mean, I've been in a lot of bands where, you know, the Heritage Acts and, and, and I certainly love being a part of them. It's, it's allowed me to continue doing this for better, for worse, for, sure. for almost 40 years. But uh, the idea of doing something new with, with new people and new music always gets my tail wagging a little bit. And, uh, and so, um, you know, we ended up doing some videos and stuff. And, you know, then, of course, you know, shiny quarters and squirrels run by. Uh, everybody's got to make a buck and people right. kind of spread <laughs> out. But, you know, Maybe the timing wasn't right at that point in time for, for this thing to come out. Maybe now it is. And hearing those songs after they've just recently been mastered, sent to me, 
was kind of like hearing them for the first time, but with sure. kind of a new uh, lens, uh, you know, a new set of ears. And it's like, wow, that was actually some really cool stuff. And it was, uh, it would be a shame if it wasn't coming out. And it would be a shame if we don't get to even just do one cool gig here in Vegas, uh, even if we just do one gig, because uh, I think it would be interesting to see us get into a room and, and kind of go through those songs and and add a couple covers that really kind of fit the mold. Maybe we do a Bowie tune and, you know, T-Rex and whatever gets in there and, uh, you know, do something easy, not a lot of work, big reward. Right on. Now, you guys have obviously both been in bigger bands, you know, obviously White Lion and L.A. Guns, you know, for, you know, respectfully. Those bands are still, you know, in some semblance or form, and not just those two, but just in general, those bands from that era are all still out there. And my personal thought is that hinders a band like what you're doing from getting attention because people automatically compare you to what you did in the past instead of what you're doing now. How do you get people to give this a fair shot instead of saying, nope, doesn't sound like LA Guns, or nope, doesn't remind me of weight, so I'm not listening to it? I'll jump on this. For, for me, it doesn't matter. I mean, we didn't sound like LA Guns when I was in LA Guns. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. <laughs> so, so I'm used to it, if nothing else. You know, um, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think it's kind of built in. It, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because when you've got a bunch of guys that were in known bands, you know, in whatever form, people are aware. So they're immediately curious, but you're right. There's always that double negative of them wanting to compare you to those bands. If those are the bands that they love. Um, I don't know. I think the great thing is it's like when we first did this when we put it out there and with zero expectations like i said it wasn't about you know making a million dollars or being rock stars or any of the crap that goes along with it it was just about writing good music and and we like it and hopefully other people dig it and that that's really the long and the short of it at least at least for me but at one time it was like you know i was looking at my facebook page and it's like four hundred thousand people talking about this and i'm like this has got to be a mistake you know but <laughs> right but the truth of the matter is, and there's the moniker, it's like new super group. And I'm like, ah, you right. know, maybe the musicians, I don't know about the singer, but <laughs> at the end of the day, people are paying attention and they are interested in the same thing. Now, here we are five years later, actually getting ready to release this record. It's been promised forever. I mean, it's gotten to the point of being like Chinese democracy, democracy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I laugh at it myself. And, and and the hardest thing for me is knowing when to keep my mouth shut. Because people are like, when's the record coming out? I'm like, tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and there's always something. There, there's always something keeping it back. But mainly, like, the guys being on the road. Everybody's really good in this band. We're all fortunate to have each other to do this with. But that also means these guys are in demand and they're busy. So mm -hmm. everybody's got to live in and stuff. Um, but back to my point, because I know I... I I, uh, I digress. Um, word about this is out now again, and it's sort of the same thing I'm seeing happening all over again. Like people are knocking on the door, and the, the page is blowing up, and everybody's curious, and, and they want to know. So 
I mean, hopefully they're going to give it a fair chance and just listen to it honestly for, for, for what it is. And the, the, the record moves around a lot, man. It's like right. no two songs are the same album. So right. there should be something for it. Right. And, and that was something I was going to ask you guys was it feels, and, and this is just me listening to it five or six times. It feels like it's not all written at the same time. It definitely feels like it's written in different moods, I guess. Like you're in this mood, you maybe penned one or two songs here, and then maybe a month or two or three later, you penned these two here because you were in, in a different headspace. Is that even remotely accurate? It's definitely true that it was written over time. Okay. Um, because as we get closer to thinking this thing is going to get released or launched, different stuff would come up like you know what i mean that the pandemic happened and then suddenly everything music is basically shut down you know mm. everybody was suffering we lost so many great venues and there was no touring music so putting it out with even the idea of maybe getting out there even like troy said even just playing a local <laughs> vegas show was kind of out of the question so now there's more time what right. are you going to do how are you going to so yeah, new songs were being written all through this and all through this process, and I don't I don't necessarily think it was like, hey, I was thinking about this this day or you know what I mean, but for me personally, I write for the music, okay. and and the way the song hits me emotionally is is where I end up going with it. You know, we had, we had another you know three handful of songs that we could have chosen for this record. And these are the ones that made it because these are the songs that felt right to, you know, to, to the people picking them. Right. When you guys were putting the music together, I'm assuming you did this like mostly through MP3 or wave trading or whatever, right? Send, I'll send this to you. You send me the drums back, then I'll send you a guitar part or whatever. You know, when, when you do that, were there songs that came back once you sent it out, sent out kind of the rough idea that you got back that were completely different from what you heard in your head when you threw it in an email. Uh, I know what happened in reverse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I can speak for myself. Like I, I know that I got stuff and I went, man, if I, if I cut the tempo in half, you know what I mean? And I just slow it down like this and I trade this chorus out for this verse section um, and, uh, what song, uh, just like you, that's, mm -hmm. that's the, the song on the record that comes to mind. It was like that. That song was like twice that tempo and stuff. So, so yeah, there were definitely surprises through the process, at least on my end. Yeah. You know, and, uh, some of the songs were demoed with, with drum loops and we all went into a studio at uh, desert moon counts, uh, Danny count Coker's place and laid down real live drums on a uh, on a majority of the album and and that really seemed to kind of suck everything together then guitars are getting redone and you know because then it became a band effort so they're initially you know I'm probably speaking out of turn cuz you know this this the demoing was done before I was a part of it but um yeah there's the email back and forth they got some ideas and then you know Chris can cut vocals at home and then we you know, made the decision to let's go into a studio and, and make this a real band effort, not just a picture of five guys and a cool logo, but let's, okay. let's invest as much as uh, of ourselves as we can. And we did that on a, on a big portion of that album. And I think from that, the rest of the songs that weren't done that way, ultimately 
rounded off by, you know, getting updated. And so it could, even though pull from different influences and different sounds sound like one cohesive unit album with five guys on it. And I think we achieved yeah. that. Right. No, right on. Yeah, true. It's absolutely ahead, right. Cool. Well, well, Troy, let me ask you this, man. And, and this is coming from a failed drummer who was awful. And I admit it. I, I tried. I sucked. It's the way it is. You know, <laughs> some of us have it. Some of us don't. But the one thing from what you just said that I know I could never do is hear a demo and then not try to play it exactly. You know, and, and I know that comes into you guys being more creative than me, which is why I talk instead of play. But, you know, for you, how do you process in your head and more, le- more in your hands and your feet what you want to do against what you're handed at the start? You know, I, it, it depends on the project. If, you know, if you're given a, a track, a musical track, that's not going to change, not going to grow then you, you you stick to the plan. Um, you know, you take some liberties. You rely on your instincts as a player saying, I can throw this in there and it's not going to stumble over this vocal or stumble over this guitar lick. Um, you know, because you don't want to trample over anything that's got a signature, you know, hook to it. But for this, we, we you know, even the songs were defined and the arrangements were there. We, we had some leeway. And so we were able to maybe change some different gr- drum grooves a little bit and and let that stuff kind of develop a little bit as as a band so we weren't fully restricted but we had a map and we had a lot of guidance but sometimes we took the scenic route you know so if you you know if you're just doing a session and what you're hearing music wise has to be that way then you you know you got to pay attention to that so there's not a lot of conflict but um we didn't really have to experience that with this which was great because it allowed us to use our instincts and our experience and the direction of the songs to put together something that, you know, sounds like we all liked each other and we <laughs> like the songs and the, and the songs, you know, sometimes the parts just write themselves and, and you just follow that lead. Right on. So, so with the record, you know, it's getting ready. It comes out on Friday. I, I for the life of me have no idea what, what makes a record successful anymore. I don't know if it's the number of streams. I know it's not the number of sales, you know, what is it, what, as the creators, and I think you probably might have the same answer. You both might have different answers, but as the creators of music, what in the end makes it successful for you? If I talk to you in a year from now, this is why this worked or this is why it didn't. What, what would that be? Okay. All right. Um, (laughs) We're courteous, if nothing else, right? Yeah, right. right. I mean, I have some thoughts on it, but I think you are, yeah. you know, a lot, way more invested be- lyrically and musically in this. So I'm actually curious to see how you feel. And then I, I have my probably a little bit more pragmatic response to that. I'll bet. I'll bet you're right about that. You know, the the, the thing that immediately came to mind, and I'm going to say it's probably not been this way for me in the past with a lot of the records I've done. I'm proud of it. Okay. So that to me is kind of the answer. Like I'm excited that this thing is getting out there. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm not going, Oh shit. It's coming out in a couple of days, man. I wonder what people are going to think. I actually believe they're going to like it. And I think at this point, at least as far as I'm concerned, 
the gauge of whether something is successful is subjective. I mean, obviously you can measure it by units sold or streams downloaded or whatever, but um, compliments a matter of how. Yeah, it's, it's like if people love the record if, if it makes them feel something, whatever it is, you know, if it makes them feel something and I get that feedback and the other guys are getting the feedback, you know, there's interest. It's generated. So that's what I'm going to gauge by. You know, I, I think for me, because the the playing field of music is so different than what it used to be and you know, a lot of bands, heritage acts are, are putting out stuff to sort of remain relevant, you know, saying, Hey, we're, you know, we're still creative. Cause at the end of the day, whether the market bears some of this music or not, people are songwriters and musicians. And they, you know, if you're someone that builds a house, you build houses or you build some, whatever it is. So, you know, for us, we're putting music together and, and performing together. And I think for me, the litmus for this to show some sort of success is if it gets to enough point to where we can all come here and, and do a date here, maybe go down to the whiskey and do a show down there and, and see these songs come from, you know, a studio tape to a physical CD to the stage where we all will experience it for the first time, the band and the audience. So for me, I think if we, get a couple live shows out of it and get to translate these songs. Apologize for my beast, but uh, I think it'll be a good thing. Right on. Definitely. Now, now Chris, I, I want to get away from this project just for a minute. I got to ask you about the Steven Tyler thing. Cause sure. you really adopted the, the Steven Tyler thing more than, you know, there's a lot of people that do tribute shows and if they're Steven Tyler, they, they wrap some bandanas on their, their mic stand and they call themselves Steven Tyler. You went all the way in the look, the sound, everything. My question yeah. is, did that pull your fandom away from the music that you obviously loved at the beginning? Because you poured so much into it where you almost had to become it, where it became more work than fun. Whew. Um, so yeah, that's, it's the strangest thing. Like, okay. So, um, it's a small story, but I'm just, just to give you an idea of like how, how on point you are with this. When I got the original phone call to do Steven Tyler, mm. I got to put that better. Um, <laughs> There's your headline. Do me, do me, do me he all night. He, yeah, he wouldn't have thought so. But <laughs> uh, yeah, when I got the original phone call, uh, it, it came from Neil Shelton. And and Neil was a guitar player in a band called Pump at the time that was an Aerosmith tribute band. I was living in the woods in northern Michigan. I had a studio in my basement. And I was cutting a record with Kenny Olsen, who was then the lead guitar player for Kid Rock, who was the... Okay biggest band on the planet at that time sure uh, and i went to michigan to get away from music okay. okay this is this is how bizarre my life is it's the true story like so i moved back to michigan which is where i'm from you know i'm from the detroit area but i moved way way up north um i was sitting on i had 500 acres of woods behind me I mean, you know what I mean? Six months of winter, six months of road repairs. And and I meet this guy who's Kenny Olson's best friend, 
Kenny's parents live up the road from me in Traverse City. Kenny had been looking for a singer for years to do something different with. And this guy that's a buddy of his sees me at a place called Ground Zero. Tom Wright, the photographer, this guy had shot everybody from like 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 the Who and uh, uh, the the Stones, Zeppelin, all at a place called the Grande Ballroom in Detroit, decided to have an exhibition. And he did it in Traverse City. And afterwards, um, there was a party at a club called Ground Zero up there. Well, all of these guys from these bands showed up to this thing. Okay. And then they showed up to the club afterwards. And I ended up on stage singing with these guys. And so this other guy sees this and he calls Kenny and he said, I found your singer. So okay. now I'm doing a record with Kenny and Adam Curry, who's also our bass player. He's the bassist for Candlebox. He was in it. The band was called Pack of Wolves. Okay. And then the phone And this guy's like, hey, I got your number from a mutual friend. I've got an Aerosmith tribute band. And he said, you'd be a perfect Steven Tyler. And I literally laughed. <laughs> and I said, I went, dude, I'm 2,000 miles away living in the woods in Michigan. I just right. don't see it happening. You know, but he was a cool guy and we sort of remained friends. And I eventually made my way back to California and and he he hounded me for like a year and a half straight. And finally I was like, all right, I'll come check out your stupid band and whatever. So I went down to where these guys were rehearsing and the band was terrible. Okay. But I had a lot of fun. And I was like, <laughs> you know what? So afterwards I pulled the guitar player apart uh, aside and i said look if you really want to do this i'm kind of interested but we start from the beginning we do it right and we get all the right guys i mean down to the buttons on the shirt and the amps these guys are playing and, and i mean i can be difficult to to work with i i recognize that because i get a very a-type personality like when i get into something <laughs> i get really into it but he said sure Let's do that. And we did. And that's how Aeromyth was born. And that thing went from, you know, $50 a night dive clubs to, to playing. We played Dodger Stadium once. Wow. So I know it's it's crazy. And then from that, you know, the phone rings and it's Jimmy Crespo. He was, he was you know, Joe Perry's replacement sure. in Aerosmith. And Jimmy and I got together and we formed a band. And Jimmy's the reason I moved out to Vegas in the first place. And then I saw the Legends billboard, and I was like, hey, maybe I'll do that. I didn't even really know what it was. It was just a bunch of people that looked like other people on a billboard. <laughs> and that's, you know, one thing led to another, and I ended up doing Legends of Concert. And right. I was told by the musical director in that thing, this is cool, but don't get comfortable because nobody can work steadily. Okay. Ten years later, I still get a call every other month to do a four-month contract or a six-month contract. And I'm not doing it anymore at all, but... But yeah, I mean, like you said, when I do something, I do it all the way. And sure. part of it is I actually met and got to know Steven. Okay. You know, reasonably well. I mean, well enough, I got an invitation to to go out to, to Maui in, in, in New Year's, on New Year's 2011. Mm -hmm. um, there's a party that happens out there annually. And I was performing in Honolulu for Legends in Concert. I had like almost a year-long contract out there, so I jumped on a plane and jumped islands and stuff. But at that point, it's no joke, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you're, you're taking that very, very... If I took it seriously before, it's like the, the amount of, of respect I feel for that guy would, would up the game a whole other level anyway.
Right. Do, do you still like the music or not? Or are you sick of dream on? Uh, <laughs> um, I still love the music and, okay. and, I, and I have to be grateful for man. I mean, look, I, I made a better living than I have any right to have deserved to for, for many, many years. And I could continue to do it if that was, if that was a choice. So I'm very, very fortunate. Only a handful of people can, can really say that about being a tribute artist or whatever. And, um, and I'm lucky and I love the music. And I mean, obviously some of it after a while, it's like, Oh, you know what I mean? If I'm walking through the grocery store, like, you know, pushing a cart and, dream on comes on or i go into a restaurant and mostly this is pre-pandemic and masks and stuff because when you know that happened i was wearing a mask but i swear to god i'm not kidding every time i walked into a place all of a sudden aerosmith song would start playing <laughs> nice i wonder if that's an accident right they're like is that you bro is that you <laughs> i'm, I'm hey, Fox, homie, is I'm that the, you bro not on the street. like mm-hmm. it's 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 oh man it's not you know what i mean <laughs> Come on, you called the Outback 15 minutes before you got there. Hey, listen. <laughs> Coming in. You, didn't come- you got served fast. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Troy, let me ask you, man. Is, you, I, I've, I've kind of followed what you do from a distance because, I, you know, I, I, I was a White Lion fan, and I guess I still am. I guess once you are, you are. But yeah, I mean, why, just know. interject. Why would you say was? I'm just curious. Yeah, well, because there's none. There's no you're not in it anymore. Because nah, there's no longer a band. How about that? Because there is no longer a white. The line. music lives on. The music does live on. But you, you have not, like, you've done other things, where, and I'm not picking at Mike Tramp here. I'm really not. But I'm curious. Let's do it. He tends to go back to it over and over again. He'll shit talk it for a while. And I know that because he's done it to me where he's like, I don't want to do that anymore. That's my past. I don't do that anymore. Now I'm solo guy. And then he comes back around. And even now, I think this week he released or is releasing the re re redo of white lion. Yeah. April 14th on uh, frontiers. Yeah. the, The songs of white Lion. You know, I've had I've had this exact conversation with him because, you know, when he would go into the press and, you know, people would ask about the Return of the Pride album that we released in yeah. 2008. Um, and, he, and he really looked down upon it. I shouldn't have called it White Lion. It's not a White Lion record. And, and you know, for me, that that um, that bummed me out because uh, I, I feel like it takes away from what we did i mean should it have been called something else i don't know if it was called something else would it even exist anyway again i don't know probably not maybe not who knows but i feel like when we were out there as tramps white line in 05 and then moved on to white line in 06 i mean listen we all get the branding is very important sure and i feel like mike was at the cusp of the very start of whether that's okay or not okay before now today, you know, there's, you know, everybody out with, you know, with that, that, that logo behind them, because it's important. Mm-hmm. It means 10,000 more dollars. It means, you know, whatever. And it's not really that big of a deal. And there's, there's all the bands that you can name that's been named in every interview that takes those liberties with the branding and have found a way to secure doing that. But with that being said, it, you know, I, I've had my conversations privately with them about it, saying, you know, it really takes away from my experience being a member of that band. And I get it's, you know, it's Mike Tramp and, and White Lion is those four guys. There was a couple guys before the classic four mm-hmm. guys even. So, you know, 
but uh, you know, tried and true, they've had their classic lineup, and I think that you know, White Lion lives and dies by those four guys, but it allowed one of those four guys, 50% of the songwriting, to continue to go out there and, and write songs. So is it a White Lion song if it's Mike and not Vito? You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or not the two of them? I, you know, I don't know. I, I think 50% is a lot. And I feel like he shouldn't regret going out there and doing it and let the fans decide. You know, we went to almost 40 countries from the span of 05 to 09 when we ended it the December in yeah, front of 42,000 people in India, you know, um, putting out an album that that did okay and, you know, should have been called something else. I don't know, you know. But then he comes back now with this new release, the songs of White Lion, and he's reimagined them in the key that he currently sings in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of take that same sort of theory that for him to be inspired to go out and do those songs today in 2023, you know, 30 plus years later, 40, was it 40 years now? Yeah. Um, you know, that he should maybe adjust his mindset to, you know, hey, I couldn't get these guys but these guys were available and they came out and kicked ass uh, their own way, you know? And, um, you know, so I don't, I don't think he should have regrets, you know, and maybe you go, well, may, you know, moving forward, maybe I'll do something different, but you know, here he is moving forward and he's going back to the well again, as he should, as sure. he has the right to. And those are songs we all know and love. And as 50% of the songwriting of that band, one of the guys that put that band together flew the flag when nobody else would, Mm -hmm. He has the right to do it, and he should be proud of it. Yeah, and, and you know what? I agree with you a thousand percent. Had he not shit talked it in the middle, in the in the in the middle years, where he said, yeah. "I don't need this," you know, it's like, okay, well, you either need it or you don't. You know, yeah. which is it? <laughs> you know, I think it's a battle that uh, you know he may still battle. He may yeah. have second thoughts at the end of next year, or he might feel at home with it because. You know, he's had the talk with Vito and mm -hmm. they've come to a resolution. I think back in 05, 06, 07, 08, um, they weren't there, you know, and I think going out as White Lion without the blessing of Vito probably really put a damper on that. And when he looks back, he feels that he hurt his buddy. I'm speaking from my observation, not sure, from sure. his words. And, uh, and, and maybe he regrets the hurt or the angst or, or yeah. whatever frustration that Vito got from that. I don't know that firsthand, but that's my Dr. Phil of it. Right. Um, I think now moving forward, because in my opinion, it would be silly that he would move forward with this without some sort of blessing from Vito, because mm -hmm. then he's just going back there poking the bear again. Vito, so Vito we need your before. blessing, Vito. Vito, <laughs> you got to give us the blessing from the family. <laughs> Vito, come on. Yeah. So, no you know, we'll, we'll see, um, you know, the fact that he's out promoting this album on an acoustic tour is a little bewildering to me. And if I have any say about it in the fall of this year, 2024, these songs should be performed as a full band sure. and, uh, and whether that happens or not, that's to be seen. But you know, the, the album comes out on the 14th. He starts a tour in May in the United States, uh, with his guitar player, Marcus Nand, who, uh, you know, recorded guitar on this album. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I love the storytelling and the backstory, but he's constantly been forced to go out there to do these storytelling songs for the last seven years, minus the pandemic years. And I feel like it's been a real disservice to the fans and to him to have to do that. 
and and hopefully uh, he can get some people behind him that can allow him to f- perform these songs with a full band the way they should be performed. Right on, definitely. Oh, look at your little white lion. <laughs> There's the white wow. lion. Right there. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, guys, let's let's swing it back to um, Angels in Vain, which is um, which is what we're here to talk about. Um, Long time coming is out this Friday. Um, where is the best place we should tell people to go to keep up with you guys and, um, you know, any tour dates that pop up or to buy all that stuff. T-shirts. Well, yeah, I don't know that it's been updated in six years, but angels still exists as far as I can tell. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, interesting thing. And this is true. I, I got an email this morning and I opened it up and, and it was an email from Amazon, and it said, Chris, we have something we think you might be interested in. And I clicked on it, and sure enough, they were right. It was Angels in Vain, long time go. coming. <laughs> Bow! Amazon. There you go, perfect. No joke, right? So I thought that was great. Um, but, you know, you can you can find us on Instagram, Angels in okay. Vain on Instagram, uh, Facebook. You can always hit us up there. And independently you know I'm as well have to see if somebody so. can smuggle it into my prison cell <laughs> i i love so that you I have get a high audio quality in your prison cell though i mean <laughs> your camera is much a- more nicer than mine <laughs> yeah. filming a reality so show. my phone is turned sideways and i'm looking at you guys and your setups and in, in your background <laughs> like, well I, chris is at a pantera show eric's right. i mean eric's in jail. you know Great quality, though. I feel like I'm in the pits of hell with all the red around me and a my oh, CompuServe uh, camera on this uh, Commodore 64 that I'm using. Red rub, red rub, <laughs> nice. And uh, angels in vain, by the way, V E I N. That's right, definitely. Uh, all right, guys. Yeah. Well, one more time. The album is Angels in Vain is the band. Long time coming is the album. It's out April 7th. Get it. Buy it if you can buy it. Please don't just stream it. Do these guys a solid and actually buy something. Help them out. And guys, I figured what I would do is end with a little piece of um, Trip of a Lifetime to uh, wrap this one up. Um, What can you tell me about the song? Uh, I can tell you that I couldn't get everybody in the same room, which is why uh, (laughs) Troy's getting kicked around inside a bubble instead of you get six minutes of his badass drum playing. (laughs) Vi- the, the video is great, which which you did. Chris did remotely with us, not there, and uh, it, it's awesome. All the videos uh, in in artwork and everything is all Chris, and you know, so that shows the passion. It's not easy. That that stuff's very time consuming. And go back about five or six years on that. Uh, you know, different technology, different knowledge, and right. you knocked all that stuff out of the park. So videos are great too, by the way. Absolutely. Well, let's check it out right now. Um, Trip of a Lifetime is a song. Angels in Vain is the band. Chris, Troy, thanks so much for joining us on Chris Aiken Presents. Chris and Eric, great to see you, buddy, man. Long time. Sorry I was late to the party, but I've got my mega pint. See you guys. Chris.
the idea.